0: So today we're beginning a brand new sermon series, and over the next six weeks we're going to be looking at the lectionary readings from the Gospel of Mark. I've entitled this sermon series, Jesus, Man of Mystery, because Mark presents Jesus in a way that is different from the other gospel writers. When Jesus comes onto the scene in Mark's gospel, we don't really know a lot about him. There is this mysterious element to Jesus. And as we go through the gospel of Mark, we begin to learn more and more about Jesus as Jesus is revealed to us And yet, even as we are learning more and more about Jesus, we're instructed that we're supposed to keep Jesus' identity a secret. This Jesus is so mysterious in Mark's Gospel... And so over the next six weeks, as we look at this Jesus, as Jesus has revealed to us more and more, and we understand more of who He is, my prayer is that we will also understand more who we are and who God calls us to be. Our passage of Scripture today is this passage of Scripture from Mark chapter 1, verses 4 through 11, and the title of the sermon today is "Reveal," And as Hannah described, yesterday was Epiphany, the day of Epiphany in the Christian tradition. Today is Baptism of the Lord Day, so we're trying to combine the two, and I hope you'll indulge us in that effort this morning. But today we're talking about the baptism of Jesus, and our passage is this text from Mark chapter 1. Now, if you pulled out one of these brand new, beautiful Bibles among the Bibles that we blessed this morning, and you open that Bible up to page 1160, what you would find there is that that is the beginning of the final book of the Old Testament. And that book is called Malachi. Malachi. Now, you may not know much about Malachi, or you may not remember what you've been taught about Malachi, but Malachi was the final Old Testament prophet in the line of a lot of prophets spanning over hundreds and hundreds of years. Malachi was the last Old Testament prophet to serve as the divine spokesperson for God. Now if you took this same beautiful pew Bible among all the Bibles that we blessed this morning and then you flipped over to page 1165, you would now find yourself in the very last chapter of the book of Malachi. And if you were to zero in on the final verses in this beautiful pew Bible, you would see that Malachi prophesies that there will be another prophetic voice who will come. And this prophetic voice will usher in the presence of the Lord in a new way. And then if you were to take this beautiful pew Bible and you flip over just one more page, you would see that we have now entered into the New Testament of the Bible. And what you may not realize is in that one page turn that you just made, there's a 400 year gap. It was 400 years since Malachi promised that there would be another prophetic voice coming before we are introduced to the gospel. In that 400 years, there was no prophetic spokesperson for God. It was as if the heavens were completely closed off to those on earth and the Lord did not speak. 400 years. Now if you take that same beautiful pew Bible among the Bibles that we blessed this morning and you flip over to page 1214, you are now in the Gospel according to Mark. Now to get to the Gospel of Mark, you had to pass through the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew. Matthew is the first gospel that we find in the New Testament of the Bible, but biblical scholars believe that actually Mark was written before Matthew. It is believed that Mark is the oldest of the four gospels that we have. So you flip through Matthew, you get to Mark, and here's where the fun begins... It doesn't take very long in the Gospel of Mark. In fact, it's just two verses before we are introduced to this prophetic voice who is ushering in the presence of God as made known to us in the person of Jesus Christ. And if you were listening this morning, you know that the name of this person, this prophetic voice, is none other than John the Methodist. I regret to inform you that in these beautiful pew Bibles that you're looking at this morning, there must have been a printing error because it called John the Baptist? Surely it was John the Methodist. Jesus was the first itinerating preacher, just like we have in our tradition. Actually, no, it's not a printing error at all. John the Baptist is the name given to this man, not because of his denominational affiliation, but because of the activity that John was doing as this gospel is introduced. John is in the wilderness baptizing people. Now, I believe, I've never tried it, but I believe that I could preach an entire sermon on what the wilderness represents in Scripture. But for the sake of time this morning, can I just cut to the chase and tell you what I want you to know about the wilderness in Scripture as it relates to our subject matter this morning is that the wilderness is that place where the Israelites found themselves before they entered into God's preferred future for them. It is that place where they found themselves before they finally inherited the promised land. And while I've never tried it before, I think that maybe just maybe I could preach an entire sermon on what the Jordan River is intended to represent in Scripture. But for the sake of time this morning, would you let me just suggest to you that the Jordan River is that water through which God's people passed in order to realize God's preferred future and promises for their life. And so as we gather here on Baptism of the Lord Sunday, we're going to have a baptism this morning. Uh, No doubt most of us here have been baptized before. What I want you to see in that water, what I want you to understand about that water, is that it is the water through which we passed as we begin to live into God's preferred future for our lives, as we begin to embrace the promises of God that have been made known to us. The Gospel writer of John tells us that these people have come out to the wilderness to be baptized by John. And John, Mark tells us that they've come out in droves. In fact, Mark is so hyperbolic, so bold as to suggest that everybody from Jerusalem came down to the Jordan River to be baptized. Now, I don't know how well you know your geography in the Holy Land, but Jerusalem's way up here. Where Jesus is being baptized, where John is doing the baptize, is way down here. It's about a 20 mile journey. It's all downhill. And even though it's all downhill, it would have been really treacherous journey for them to make. 4,000 feet descent to where they're being baptized in this moment. Now, I would like to suggest to you that this is not just a geographical reality that Mark is trying to communicate to us, but it's also a spiritual reality as well. You, you, You come down on the mountaintop and you are baptized, but guess what? That doesn't mean that after you've been baptized that everything's easy, that everything goes your way, that everything works out just the way that you'd like it to. These folks came down to be baptized, and then they had a 20-mile journey, 4,000 feet back up. It was rough terrain. It was difficult days. It Probably they found themselves wondering if it was worth it. The same thing is true for us when we are baptized. It's a beautiful, wonderful moment, but it does not mean that life is always easy after that. It does not mean that we won't face steep mountains to climb. It does not mean that we won't encounter rough terrain. I wonder if that's part of what Mark wanted to communicate us in his uh, story this morning. John is not just baptizing people, though. He's also communicating something really important. He's saying to them that I'm baptizing you with water. Somebody's coming after me is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. I'm not really the one you should be focused on. I'm not really the one who's important here. I'm pointing towards someone who is much more important, someone who I am unable to even tie the, the strings of their sandals This guy that you're supposed to be looking for, he's big time. And yet... You would expect somebody that's gotten that kind of build-up, somebody that's much better than me, that's going to do things that I could never do. That they would show up with a lot of fanfare, wouldn't you? Like maybe like a red carpet, like the Academy Awards. Maybe with a lot, to a lot of oohs and ahs and look what Jesus is wearing today. He's wearing a suit. You'd think there'd be all kinds of things like that. You you'd think that as soon as he showed up, that everybody would have known who he was. That there would have just been people fawning all over Jesus and yet according to this version of the gospel in Mark Jesus just shows up like everybody else to be baptized there's no great fanfare There's no long genealogy in Mark's gospel that connects him all the way back to Father Abraham. There's no birth narrative like how the angels miraculously visited Mary and Joseph and told them all about who Jesus was and what Jesus was going to come to do. There are no wise men traveling from afar to the first ever baby shower bringing gifts. There's no dedication of Jesus in the temple because He's this great Messiah and this great Savior. Jesus just shows up, like everybody else, to be baptized in Mark's Gospel. That's it. But when Jesus comes up out of that water, ho, ho, All of a sudden, the heavens are ripped apart. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit comes down like a dove. All of a sudden, there's this big booming voice from heaven that says, This is my Son, the Beloved, in whom I have great happiness. Or in the old versions of the Bible, with whom I am well pleased. And that gets my attention. You know, as I think about the story of Jesus, there are a lot of moments where the heavens could have opened up and the Holy Spirit could have come down like a dove and a big voice from heaven had said, could have said, this is my son, or this is, you are my son, the beloved with whom I am well pleased. I, I, I think about, well, what about the moment where uh, Jesus gathers all the children around him And He blesses all the children. And then He says, to such as these does the kingdom belong. That would have been a great moment for the heavens to open up, for the Holy Spirit to come down and from a voice from God to say, attaboy, Jesus, I'm well pleased with You for saying that. I think about when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, right after he's baptized, he's forced out into the wilderness. He's tempted by the devil for 40 days and 40 nights. He does not give in to the temptation. That would have been a great moment for the heavens to rip open and for the Holy Spirit to come down, and for the voice from heaven to say, "Head a boy Jesus, you are my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased." I even think about when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane and He wants so desperately for the cup to pass from Him. He does not want to die on the cross. He even pleads with God to give Him another way and yet somehow finds the courage to say, but ultimately, Lord, it's not about my will. It's about Your will. Thy will be done. That would have been a great moment for the heavens to open up for the Holy Spirit to come down like a dove, and from a voice from heaven to say, That's my son. You are my son, with whom I am well pleased. But none of that happened. God chose to rip open the heavens. God chose to send His Holy Spirit down like a dove. God chose the moment of Jesus' baptism as that moment where He said, You are my beloved child. I am so happy for you and with you. I am well pleased. Out of all the moments... That the heavens would rip open and the voice of God would speak. It was in the baptism of Jesus. And I want to suggest to you that the same thing happens every time someone is baptized. Every time someone is baptized, I want you to know that when Jackson comes forward this morning to be baptized, his family is not going to be the only ones who are beaming, smiling, happy. There is a proud parent in the cosmos. While there's not a literal opening of the heavens that might take place this morning like it did when Jesus was baptized, while we might not see the Holy Spirit descending upon us like a dove, and while we might not hear this audible, booming voice, I can assure you with every fiber of my being that my faith informs me that when Jackson is baptized this morning, all of heaven rejoices and the voice of God is saying, that's my boy. That's my boy. The beloved in whom I am well pleased. And this water that's going to touch him today is just like the Jordan River water. It's water that he's going to pass through. And on the other side of that water, he is going to begin to understand even more and more how he's been claimed by God as a precious child and how he's going to live into the promises that God desires for him. And later, we're going to have an opportunity to remember our baptism. Now, you may not remember your baptism. You may have been baptized so long ago the Dead Sea wasn't even sick. (laughs) I'm not asking you to remember the specific moment. I'm just asking you to remember that you are baptized. And in remembering that you are baptized, I want you to remember going through that water, and when you came out on the other side of it, you said, I pledge my life to Christ. I want to live into the promises of God made known in Christ. And as we begin this new year, I want us to be mindful of that pledge and that promise and how we've been cleansed in the waters of baptism to become the people that God longs for us to be. And finally, there may be some here this morning that have never been baptized. I'd like to suggest to you that there's no better day to do it than on Baptism of the Lord Day. Baptism's not about what you do or what you know, it's about what God does and And it's about you being a precious child of God. And so if there are those this morning that have never been baptized and you'd like to talk to us, you can either do it today or some point in the future. We want you to have that invitation. But Jackson, my friend, when you receive your baptism today, I want you to know that God is so pleased.